0: In our last episode, we continued our look at the direct examination of Kyle Rittenhouse as the defendant and his attorney, Mark Richards, took the jury through the events of August 25, 2020, up to the moment where Rittenhouse encountered Joshua Zeminski. The memory of that moment appeared to trigger a panic attack in the defendant, and Judge Bruce Schrader ordered a brief recess in the proceedings. On today's episode, we conclude the defense team's direct examination of Rittenhouse, including his account of the shootings of Rosenbaum, Huber, and Grosskreutz. That's coming up right after the break.
1: Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah.
0: As we concluded our last episode, Kyle Rittenhouse appeared to suffer a dramatic panic attack as he began to recount his encounter with Joshua Zaminsky and Joseph Rosenbaum in the moments before he shot Rosenbaum. After a brief recess, Mark Richards prompted his resettled client to continue his narrative of the events that culminated in his firing his weapon. Because Richard's questioning requires very little embellishment or explanation, we will let the Q&A play out with little interruption and with only minor edits for clarity and concision.
2: You were testifying about coming into contact with Mr. Rosenbaum? Yes. And you saw Mr. Rosenbaum, what happened? Once I got to that car and I stepped forward
3: to put that fire in the Duramax out and Mr. Zeminski stepped towards me I went to go run south, back south down Sheridan and Mr. Rosenbaum was right there at the corner of the Duramax starting to chase me and that's when I realized the only place I can run with the people around me is straight towards the building of the car source lot number three.
2: When you saw Mr. Rosenbaum that's when you said friendly friendly?
3: Uh, when I heard burn inside, I don't know exactly where I was at and the time for that. Did Mr. Rosenbaum say anything to you? Um, no. Mr. Zeminski instructed Mr. Rosenbaum
2: to get him and kill him. That's what I heard. And you go running what's been referred to the southwest corner of car source? Yes. And as you're running in that direction, describe being chased, what was happening?
3: As I'm running in that southwest direction, Mr. Rosenbaum throws. I at the time I I know it's a bag now, but when he threw it at me, um, with the light, it looked silver and it looked like the chain. When he threw it at me, I and then I continue. I I turn around for for. An, about a second while continuing to
2: run, and I point my gun at Mr. Rosenbaum. Does that stop him from chasing you? It does not. Okay. After you turn around and you had your hands up kind of in a low ready position? Yes. And you see Mr. Rosenbaum coming at you? Yes. And what do you do then? Um,
3: After he throws the bag and he continues to run, he's gaining speed on me a gunshot is fired from behind me directly behind me and I take a few steps and that's when I turn around and as I'm turning around Mr. Rosenbaum is I would say from me to where the judge is uh, coming at me with his arms out in front of him. He, he, I remember his hand on the barrel of my gun. Why didn't you just
2: keep running?
3: When I was over there, there were about 100 people surrounding that that those cars, and there was no space for me to continue to run to. Okay.
2: And so you turned around? Yes. And as you see him lunging at you, what do you do? I shoot him. And how many times did you shoot? I believe four. And after you shot him, what did you do?
3: Uh, the people around the the people around the cars that were originally there were not there anymore, um, they they moved away and I ran around to see if I could help Mr. Rosenbaum.
2: And when you got to Mr. Rosenbaum, what was happening? Mr.
3: McGinnis was, I. Right, he took off his helmet and slammed it on the ground and took off his shirt and I don't remember what he said. I. Um, was it focused on that? I was in shock, sort of.
2: Let me back up a second. Did you know Mr. McGinnis was even around? I didn't. Okay. And he says something to you, and what do you do? Um, I pull out my phone, and I call Dominic Black. And you call Dominic, and what do you say?
3: I told him I just shot somebody. I had to shoot him.
2: And what do you do then? Um...
3: I now know it to be Kelly Zaminsky, Joshua Zaminsky, and I don't know the other people were screaming, get his ass, get his ass, get him, get him, get him.
2: And the, based upon that, did you feel as though you were safe to stay where you were at?
3: I thought the safest option would would be to go north down Sheridan to turn myself into the law enforcement down
2: there. And as you head down Sheridan Road, describe what's going on.
3: As I'm running, at first I'm in the sidewalk and Mr. Likowski, um, Jason Likowski, is in the sidewalk and I stop to talk to Mr. Likowski for a brief second. I remember telling him that I just shot somebody and I need help to get to the police because the crowd, there was a, not a crowd, a mob was chasing me.
2: And did Mr. Lakowski offer you any help? I,
3: I don't remember.
2: What did you do then?
3: I, I continued to run after hearing people say, people were saying cranium him, get him, kill him. People were screaming, and I just was trying to get to the police running down Sheridan Road.
2: And you say I'm trying to get to the police. Why were you trying to get to the police?
3: So I didn't do anything wrong, I defended myself.
2: Did you feel as though there was safety where the police were? Yes. And as you head down Sheridan Road, what's the next thing you remember?
3: The next thing I remember is Anthony Huber striking me in the head with a skateboard. Okay.
2: As you sit here today, do you remember talking to Gage Grossgrutz?
3: Yeah, sort of, a little bit. I didn't know it was Gage Grossgrutz when he came up to me,
2: but sort of. Okay. And... When this individual runs up to you and gets, how close? Um, I would say
3: within a foot.
2: Did you shoot him?
3: I did not. Did
2: you point your gun at
3: him? I did not. Why not? I didn't see him as a threat to my safety or life. Was he armed at that time? Not that I noticed.
0: Mark Richards next prompts Kyle Rittenhouse to describe his initial encounter with Anthony Huber. And you continue running in
2: a northerly direction down Sheridan Roads? Correct. And as you're running in that direction, you said the next thing you remember is Anthony
3: Huber. Yes. Describe that. Anthony Huber... What I remember is running past Anthony Huber, and as I'm running past Mr. Huber, he's holding a skateboard like a baseball bat, and he swings it down, and I block it with my arm, trying to prevent it from hitting me, but it still hits me in the neck, and as I block it, it goes flying somewhere off in the distance.
2: And do you
3: stop them? No. What do you do next? I keep running down uh, Sheridan Road towards the police line. Then what happens? Um, I get lightheaded.
2: Um, I almost pass out, and I stumble and hit the ground. Okay. Before you hit the ground, how many times were you struck? I believe twice. Okay. Do you remember anything about the other one? I remember the first one being a rock.
3: I don't remember who did it, but I remember like the bumpiness of like a concrete rock hitting me in the back of the head.
2: Okay. Now, after being struck with Mr. Huber's skateboard, you end up on the ground. Yes. You're on the ground. What's the first thing you remember? As I'm on the ground,
3: there are people around me. I don't recall how many, but I remember moving my rifle in their direction, and they back off
2: besides one person. Okay. When you notice people by you, you said you moved your rifle in their direction. Yes. Did that individual keep coming?
3: The last person dead. Okay.
2: The people that stopped, what did you do to them? Nothing. Okay. And you're saying the last person in that group continued to come at you? Yes. And describe what happened. The last person,
3: um, I, I don't know his name. I don't think he was ever identified. Um, jumps at me with his with he was wearing boots I believe and as he's running at me and jumping as his boot is making contact with my face I fired two shots at him. Why
2: did you shoot at him?
3: I thought if he if if I were to be knocked out or he he would have stopped my face in if I didn't fire.
2: As a result of being kicked in the face what happens?
3: Mr. Huber Immediately after I'm kicked in the face runs up as I'm sitting up to try to get up and get to the police. I'm on my back and Mr. Huber runs up. He, as I'm getting up, he strikes me in the neck with his skateboard a second time.
2: Then what happened?
3: He grabs my gun and I can feel it pulling away from me and this, I can feel the strap starting to come off my my body.
2: And what do you do then? I fire one shot. And after you fire striking, we now know, Mr. Kuber, what do you do?
3: I lower my weapon and I see Mr. Grosskreutz with his hands up. And as I'm lowering my weapon, I look down. And then Mr. Grosskreutz, he lunges at me with his pistol pointed directly at my
2: head. Now, you heard Mr. Groskowitz's testimony about re-racking? Yes. Did you re-rack your weapon? I did not.
0: Richard shows the jury Kyle Rittenhouse's AR-15 and demonstrates on the weapon as he asks the defendant the next series of questions. The sounds you will hear are part of that demonstration.
2: Showing what's been previously marked Exhibit 28, recognize this? I do. Now, when somebody would, as Mr. Grossfoot said, re-rack, Set this? Yes. Do you call it re-racking?
3: I call it charging, charging, putting a live round into the chamber. And to
2: recharge, you have to pull this all the way back? Yes. Mr. Rittenhouse, how far do you think that is?
3: Three, four inches.
2: And if the weapon is loaded and you re-rack, what happens? If there is already a round in
3: the chamber, when you re-rack the rifle, a live round would come out chambering a new round in, into the chamber.
2: Now, we got to the point where Mr. Grosswitz is standing in front of you, has his hands up? Correct. And are you aware
3: that he's armed? At that point, I do see a pistol in his hand.
2: Is that the same or different from your first encounter with Mr. Grosswitz? That is different. And he is standing, you said, how close to you?
3: What I remember is our feet were touching, what it seemed like. And you do what? My rifle is down. His hands are up. His pistol is in his hand. And then Mr. Grosskreutz looks at me. And that's when Mr. Grosskreutz brings his arm down like this. Like he, his arm is like that with me on the ground, and his pistol is pointed at me, and that's when I shoot him.
2: How many times do you shoot him? Once. What happens after you shoot him?
3: Um, he's no longer a threat to me. Um, there's, only, there's only one person in front of me, and his hands are up. I briefly point my rifle at him, and I get onto one knee getting up, and he backs up. He backs up with his hands up and I don't shoot him.
2: Did you notice anybody to your
3: sides? To my left, there was a gentleman with a pipe. And to my right, I believe it was a fence post. I I don't know what it was, but it it was a large object.
2: Once you're to your feet, what do you do?
3: I start walking towards the police line. Um, to turn myself into the police. And as you go towards the police line. Describe what happens. I run and walk. Um, I put my hands up, and um, as I'm walking towards the police, I can't. I can't really hear anything. Um, my vision is very narrow. I can only see directly in front of me. I see the flashing lights. Um, I remember I occasionally tried to move my rifle behind me to put it behind me so the so I could so the police didn't see me as a threat when I tried to turn myself in I continue to walk and then I walk towards the window of the uh, sedan the police cruiser sedan I don't know what they're called um and I tell the officer I just shot somebody I just shot somebody and the officer says. Get the fuck back or you're going to get pepper sprayed. Go home, go home, go home.
0: And
2: where do you go after you step back from the police car?
3: I go to car source number two.
2: And now there wasn't a line there? They weren't stopping people from going in a northerly direction? No, they weren't. And you go to car source, what we refer to as car source number two, and who do you see?
3: I get there and I see... I think the first person I see is Joanne Fiedler. I, I I don't remember exactly, but I believe that's who's outside at the door. Um, they let me inside. Um, the door was locked, so somebody had to get the key to unlock it. And then we go inside, and I'm 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 in shock. I don't really remember what was happening in there. I was I was freaking out. I I was just attacked. My head was spinning.
2: Did you go and turn yourself into the Kenosha Police Department? I did not. Why not? Um,
3: their, the Kenosha Police Department was barricaded off with a fence, and they I don't think they were accepting anybody to come to the police department at that time.
2: What did you do then?
3: I went to the nearest police department that I knew of, which was Antioch Police Department in Illinois by
2: my house. Who took you there? My mother. Hey, how did you get to Antioch from downtown Kenosha? Uh, Dominic Black drove me. And then Dominic... Black drives
3: you where? He drives me to my house in Antioch, Illinois, where I meet with my mother and sisters and I tell them what happened. I sort of tell them what happened. I was still in shock. Um, my head was still spinning. And then we go to the Antioch Police Department where I turn myself in. Who drove
2: her to the Antioch Police Department? My mother. And did anybody else go there with you? Not, not at first. They- and you get to the Antioch Police Department approximately what time?
3: I would say about an hour after the shooting. Okay.
2: And when you get there, are they looking for you? No. Did you have to explain to somebody?
3: I had to tell them that I was just involved in a shooting in Kenosha and I needed Kenosha detectives.
2: Okay. Did they take you into custody immediately? No. What did they do?
3: They had me sit in the lobby of the police department.
2: Were you handcuffed to a chair? I was not. stay there
3: Uh, for about I I couldn't give you the exact time but until detective Howard and detective antiranium showed up
2: and were you having any physical discomfort as you waited there
3: I was vomiting and having panic attacks and my head was spinning and I couldn't think clearly at that point
0: I have nothing As Mark Richards wraps up his direct examination of Kyle Rittenhouse, the pool video camera in the courtroom captures his mother, Wendy Rittenhouse, wiping tears from her eyes. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we begin our coverage of Prosecutor Thomas Binger's cross examination of the defendant.
1: Planning for your next trip?
0: You can find more information about this trial on our jury duty crime story patreon page or at crimestory.com jury duty is created hosted and produced by yours truly carrie antholis it was co-produced by chris taracone and aaron karenik and it was edited by chris taracone our consulting producer is Brittany bookbinder music for this episode was provided by strike audio and trial audio is courtesy of law and crime networks thank you for joining us and we hope you will come back for the next episode of jury duty The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.